Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora and hello. I've been asked to tell you about No Labels, the radio show for, by, and about people living with disabilities. The show offers interviews and news about the disability sector in Aotearoa, New Zealand. On Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. Find us on Facebook or go to www.accessradio.org.nz. No labels, our voice for you on Access Radio. And welcome to this edition of No Labels. This month we have a special guest, Penny. Penny, welcome to the show. Oh, kia ora, Thomas. Lovely to be with you. Great to have you here today. So, Penny, can you tell our listeners a little about yourself? Who do you work for and what's your role? Sure. I'm. Um, it's an interesting role and a little bit hard to describe. I'm part of an independent panel reviewing the future of local government on behalf of Minister Mahuta. So um, my previous role as a long-time elected member of of first Waitakere and then Auckland Council um, is probably the reason why I've ended up being an independent commissioner doing this work. Great. And so how long is this piece of work going for um, and what stage are we at? It's about um, a two and a half year process. We, we're well over halfway through. We're due to report back to the Minister in June with our final report. So we've gone through um, a very draft draft, which we discussed with the community. Then we put out a a draft report, um, which is the one that we're receiving submissions on now. And then our final report will hopefully bring all of that together that we can give to Local Government New Zealand and the Minister of Local Government that will give some guidelines on how to improve government over the uh, local government, oops, that's a slip of the tongue, how to improve local government and make it fit for the future for the next 30 years. That's really great because it's, it's, I guess, very timely since we've just had, you know, um, local body elections uh, end of last year. And so obviously very timely to look at, um, you know, what changes need to take place. So what are some of the areas you're, that um, are being looked at in particular? So it's pretty comprehensive and just to, you know, do a bit of a thumbnail sketch and hopefully not send your your listeners to sleep, where in essence we're taking a look at what the potential of local government is to be better, how to help it best serve the community of Aotearoa over the next 30 years um, with all of the complexity and challenges that are coming our way. And we've probably got a few key areas we're looking at improving democracy, putting people back into the process, um, how to live an authentic treaty relationship with our treaty partners, how to fund local government better, how to improve the relationship with central government and um, how to have a, a good structure for local government that helps it do all of these things more effectively. So that, that's the sort of big picture we're looking at. Right, um, and all really key issues. Um, many of our listeners will know that um, I threw my hat in the ring for the regional council in Wellington last year, and it certainly was a um, an interesting experience. And if they'd listened to a previous show, they would have heard some of my comments around that. 
but I, I think for for many in the community, I think some of the issues are really around just even just knowing when it's happening. And of course, even if it's not about standing, it's about voting and how can I vote accessibly? Um, and, and I think that's a, a real challenge for many in the disability community is that whole whole concept of being able to read the information and then select the candidates you want to select and and vote for who you want to vote for independently. I, I listened to your interview, Thomas, and I thought it was excellent. And it summed up for me the, you know, the critical issues right from just at the practical level. How mm. do people vote? How is voting accessible? And how do you participate in the process? Mm. Through to the really critical thing that, you know, challenges all members of our, our community and particularly our accessibility community is where is the visibility? Where's the representation? And where do people see themselves and hear their issues in the process? Mm. And I think this is going to, you know, it, it's an evolutionary thing as we try and improve the quality and diversity of representation, as well as the processes that help people get there. Um, I think we are very focused on trying to get diversity around that, that council table, mm. because without it, we all lose out, you know, as a as an older woman, I'm, you know, facing changes in, in my life that are not... Um, I'm certainly helped when you talked in your interview about having the questions read out because people were having trouble reading them from where they were sitting. This helps everybody. When it you does. have a more navigable and easy to operate transport system, it helps everyone. So, you know, we, need, we can raise the votes by having um, people with, you know, access issues representing us around council tables. And I, and I think that's probably the reason why I sort of threw my hat in the ring was to, you know, it's all very well to sit on the sideline and, and complain, but you've got to be prepared to do something as well. Um, yep. I, I think for me, some of the areas that did highlight it for me were, um, while they weren't too much of an issue for me, um, they would have been for someone else. Some of the venues may not have been that accessible if you were, say, in a wheelchair or using a you know, mobility um, device um, when they were having the public meetings. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously the information. Um, uh, yes, I must admit, we did this thing called a bit like in the bag. And yep. um, it was a horrible night. There was hardly anyone came out. It was live streamed. Um, and a number of the candidates couldn't read the, the numbers on the boxes. So I didn't feel quite so bad to saying, so which numbers are left? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think the Crory one we did where they had pieces of paper with all the questions on which you took out of the basket. Um, I must admit, I was a bit proactive. All the public meetings I spoke at, I um, emailed whoever was organising it and told them that I was a blind person. And these are some of the things I would need possibly support with. And if there were things that were to be um, like handed out or written, then someone would need to read those. And uh, I must admit that most of the people, in fact, yeah, I think probably all of them that I, I had contact with were really great at um, you know trying to accommodate as best they could um, my particular requirements, um, so forth. Fantastic. And, you know, if you think about how we should operate as a community in the future, that shouldn't 
be special requests or you know anything no. that's different. It no. should be how we first of all how we think about accessibility secondly how we plan for it and thirdly that we realize that everyone benefits if we have fully um you know accessible venues and accessible yeah. processes we bring everybody into it so exactly. you know this is one of the things that we're we're really exploring in our report mm. is moving councils away from just being rubbish rates and roads through to being the you know the councils as the vehicle for delivering well-being and the well-being of the communities and being very you know far more proactive in the delivery of well-being i know when i talk to others in the disability community about local councils one of the biggest issues i think i hear constantly is that when councils want to talk to to the community as a whole they want to engage online and predominantly online. So they have webinars and they put out um, surveys, but if you don't have technology or you, you know, can't afford um, the internet, um, often you don't have an opportunity to actually have a say. And I think, you know, when we live in a, where we have you know, a number of people who are digitally challenged for whatever reason, it excludes them from participating. And it's, um, yeah, and I think that came quite apparent, you know, through COVID, especially when you couldn't turn up to a public meeting, you could only join online. And I think that's, um, yeah, I think there's there's been a, a big shift, but I think there's probably still a group of people who are really struggling to um, get in, in, involved and participate more in the digital um, platforms. It's a it's a real issue, and you know, in our report, we in our in the process of developing our report, we acknowledge that you know we've had to rely on webinars to get us through COVID, you know, where we mm. simply couldn't get out and and meet people, um, and we're also acknowledging the, you know, it, it's it is suboptimal, you know, mm. we're it's not the best way for for people to to connect, but we're encouraging people to um, you know have a look at our our report online if you're able to or support people around you to do that um, we have tried to make our submission portal as accessible as it can be so um, you know with some speech recognition software and you know able to sort of listen to the website by using screen readers and able to zoom up to 200 percent and that sort of thing but it's still you know it's not perfect but but we're having a crack so you know we'd love people to to have a look at the um, accessible version of our report and and make a submission but um, you know ideally these these important discussions would be curated and pulled together in ways that actually work for the diverse populations that that we're working with sounds great now we have a you've you've chosen a song for us today what is it and why? I I had two songs in mind, Thomas, right. and it What's was um, well. The first one was Bluter and Dance All Around the World, oh. and I I didn't grow up in New Zealand. I grew up in South Africa, and I arrived in the late seventies from a very 
you know, South Africa was not not a good place. It was mm-hmm. not a place of humanity and it wasn't a place of joy. And to come to New Zealand as this joyful, wonderful, free place at a time when Bluter was travelling around the countryside and this song was popular. In their bus. In their bus. It yeah. stayed with me as my kind of deep and abiding kind of joyful version of, of what Aotearoa um, yeah. means to me. I'm laughing um, at your choice, not because um, <laughs> of what you've chosen, just that um, I recall that song so much. I think I've still got um, an album of it, uh, of Blurter, and it's on my playlist as well. And, yeah, there's such a great musicians in that group. Um, yeah. Many, you know, went on to have great solo careers. So let's yeah. dance all around the world. Come dance all around the world Dance with the birds and the music We want you to see the world And see all the beauty that surrounds you Who came knocking at a little girl in a long white gown Who came running to answer the door A little man with a worried frown around the world with us, said the man in brown. But no, cried the tutors, for a prince must learn of law and justice. But a prince should also know the sound of the wind in the trees and the song of the crickets, said the man in brown. He must stay, they said, and learn of government and diplomacy. But surely a tutor, a teacher, should know the secrets of the moon and the feel of a mountain stream on his feet. We must guard him, said the guards. Surely even a guard should know the feel of the wind on his face and the surge of life in his hands. And so the guards threw down their weapons, and the tutors put aside their books and gowns, and they threw open the castle gates and danced out into the fields. Come
What a great song. It's um, one that certainly, I think, shows uh, great music- musicianship. Um, but at the time, you know, I can remember watching them on TV, tra- um, going around the country in this old bus. Um, yeah, great stuff. Now, <laughs> so the report that's been written and submissions for the next stage, um, when people want to find out more about it, where do they need to go? What What's the website for people to go to and what will they find when they get there? So if people would like to know more, have a look at the report or find the portal through to submissions. If they just go to future for local government, all one word, dot G-O-V-T dot N-Z. And they can um, check out the report as well as access the submission portal, which allows um, people to make comments. What we're we're also um, holding a, a webinar on the 9th of February at from 12.30 to 1.30, and that's um, specifically for our accessibility community. So again, um, please go to the website and you can register for that. And we're endeavouring to make that as accessible as we can. And that will take you will take you through the report. We'll um, we'll have um, sign language interpreters and closed captions. So hopefully people will find the webinar easy-ish. To, to deal with um, and that's a chance to sort of find out a little bit more information ask your questions and get a little bit more clarity um, prior to doing your your submission and so when do submissions close they close on the 28th of february so we've oh, got okay so they've month. got about another yep. three weeks after the yeah. after the webinar to be able to yeah. get your submissions in well, and really... we're, you know, we're really clear. People get a little bit nervous of submissions, and I guess, you know, as an old counsellor, I can <laughs> say this: people, people think they have to, you know, use long words and write scholarly, mm. academic, um, you know, treaties on 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 their submission process. Sometimes the best submissions I've ever read have been really clear and they've said, we would like you to do X, Y, Z, because when this happens, this is how we feel and this is what we'd like to see changed. So, you know, that that kind of direct feedback um, as, a, as a submission is absolutely acceptable and people need to be free to, to do that in a way that works for them. It's really good to hear because I think you know, a lot of people do struggle. I know when I've written submissions and you you look at it and you think, is this enough? You know, yeah. have, I, have I made a big enough point here? And I know when I made a submission um, for the access um, bill um, last year for the house, I started off with this huge screed of stuff and then I just whittled it down and just said, no, yeah. these are the key things that impact on me every day and is the bill in the way it's written at the moment, going to meet those particular needs. And I think, and and that's how I presented it when I um, presented at the select committee was to make sure that these are the difficulties I have because of the way things are at the moment and the legislation needs to be able to address so I can do the things that everyone else does without having to ask someone else to do it for me or buy in specialised equipment, um, whatever. But... And I think this is where that whole thing is, you know, if society sees accessibility as something that benefits everybody, um, 
then it doesn't have to be a huge task or a huge costly exercise. Exactly. And I think, you know, when people are thinking about local government and accessibility, there's all the issues around council services and how to make them more accessible and, you know, the rightful demand that everyone has the same ability to access all parts of our our community and activities within the community, but also the bigger picture around how to access democracy, how to participate in democracy, how to feel, you know, well represented. And we're we're looking at, in our report, new ways that democracy can be delivered through citizens' assemblies, which I think particularly for people with access issues is a really important step. So this means convening citizens' assemblies that are made up People are chosen um, at random by lottery, but they make up um, a direct reflection of the demographic makeup of the community that's being that's being consulted. They, you know, they could be 50 people, 100 people, and the citizens' assemblies are then given information, they're given questions to answer, and they have the ability to make um, decisions that the, the council or the government, as they do overseas, um, can then enact those decisions. So it's a, a direct form of, of democracy that I think is going to be have quite a positive impact on Aotearoa in the future. And I think that way you're getting a real cross-section of the um, population public, as it were, as opposed to only those who put up their hand who maybe who can afford to stand for local government or whatever, because I think that's a a real barrier for um, a number of people, really. I mean, I know myself, I didn't spend anything like some of my fellow campaigners did um but i still still cost me you know, a reasonable amount of money and if you're you know, a disabled person just on a benefit then you couldn't afford to do that i was yeah. you know fortunate that you know I, I had had some funding that i could use to do that but others may not um and others may not belong to a political party or some you know um group that would sponsor them to to stand and I think that's been a great initiative for central government that's been uh, where there's a funding stream available for people to, you know, who are considering standing for central government. Mm. That would be a really interesting for people to raise at the webinar mm. and also to, to give us submissions on Thomas. You know, what, mm. what are the things that will make democ- the, the ability to stand mm. for election easier? Um, and you know, because elected members are always going to be critical to the democratic process. We're just suggesting perhaps that they share a little bit more with some of these alternative democratic processes. But at the heart of democracy is always going to be the elected members. So we need to find ways that, you know, they can be as broadly representative as possible. Exactly. Great. So the um, webinar is on the 9th of February. And okay. if people go to now, what's the name of that? What's that website again? Oh, it, yep, <laughs> I can remember it. It's Future for Local Government, all one word. dot govt. dot nz. Sounds great. And if they register, then they can get on the webinar and then complete your submissions um, before the end of February. And um, we'll look forward to hearing the outcome of the final report. 
that sounds promise. Now, your final song, what is it and why? <laughs> so it it's kind of I think I've bookended the the sort of the shiny and the joyful and the the sort of old hippie in me through blues. <laughs> Um, the other, my other favourite band is She Had, and right. I the song "Rule the World" is um, when I was still on on Auckland Council, and I was having a bad day, and and on my way home on my bike, I I would have this very loudly in my headphones. Um, it is a bit of a headbanger, and I, you 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 and your listeners will be very relieved that I didn't um, give you any Metallica or or perhaps Guns N' Roses, which are my, my real go-tos. But uh, uh, had, I think, is one of our fantastic New Zealand bands. And um, just the line in Rule the World, which says, hello, hello, is anyone home? We're in this together, all alone. After bad council meetings, that certainly reflected how I felt. So... <laughs> Rule the world. I can relate to that. Um, it's a good go-to song. Sounds great. Well, look, Penny, thanks heaps for being on the show and let's go out with your song. Thank you so much, Thomas. What a pleasure. Thanks.
That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.